1: Bins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor.
2: Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor. This week we have special guest, Dave Cotterill, with us. Uh, looking forward to speaking to him, what he's up to now and uh, speaking about how open he's been about mental health too. We'll reflect on the Norwich defeat, also the Birmingham defeat unfortunately too and we'll hear from Lee Johnson, wasn't on the touchline on Tuesday night, what impact did that have on the players? So Gregor, uh, let's start with the defeat on Tuesday night. Just felt big, didn't it? Did you really feel the Robins needed a result here with a tough few games ahead?
3: So what, thirty-three games played, just thirteen games left of the season? Yeah, unfortunately, I just I just think that was a really, really damaging defeat last night. You look at the table now and obviously Bristol City are hanging on to that sixth place. Whereas if they'd got the win they'd have been like chasing down Middlesbrough and they really would have had a chance of even catching borough or west brom instead that brings Birmingham right back into into the the battle for a top 6 place obviously forest aren't too far away and they've hit a bit of form preston uh, <laughs> next up and it's oh dear it's just it's all happening again isn't it um obviously preston banging in form they've had a week that, as you as you've pointed out they've got a week to prepare for this game on saturday and it you, you just wouldn't be surprised to see Bristol City lose that one and that would make it four defeats in a row and oh you got to hate football sometimes as much as you love it and yeah it's it's just a, a bad run starting and that's what this relentless championship is like it's, it's a tough game isn't it um team to team match to match and the only thing I would say is that obviously Bristol City aren't the only ones feeling this effect. Look at Derby, they've not won for three games now, back-to-back defeats for them. Obviously Birmingham, I, I mean I'm not too sure where that win comes from for them because they'd only won two matches in their last ten, so they've they've turned things around and, and really, even with Sheffield Wednesday being Hull last night, I, I think they're not out of it just yet. They're on the same points, Sheffield Wednesday, as, as both Hull and Preston, so It's going to be a real ding-dong battle for that final spot. And if I'm completely honest, at this moment in time, I am fearful because City have got such tough fixtures coming up. They can do it, yes, but it's going to be so tough.
2: Yeah, they had so much of the ball, only two shots on target in the whole game. What went wrong?
3: Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Lee Johnson said after the game that basically Birmingham City had camped out sort of behind the ball and dominated the match. They dominated certainly the first half, possession-wise, chances-wise, but without the ball, and it's not very often that you see that. Fair play to Gary Monk's side and Gary, and the manager. There. They, they set up really well. They're really well-organised. They counter-attacked so, so well through Shea Adams and Jutkiewicz. Um And let's not forget, they've probably got one of the best strike forces in the league. They have... Probably overspent if we're honest, because that's why they're in trouble with financial fair play. But as a result, they've got a, a good team there, um, um, especially when the likes of Jota who is a player I rate is is not can't even get in the team. He's coming off the bench, so yeah, they've got qualities there. And unfortunately, their sort of counter attacking really put Bristol City into trouble. I thought the opposition looked really dangerous at times, and and they were really good at limiting the Robins. Chances and, and stopping Lee Johnson's side getting in behind them, and yeah, it really looked like City just didn't have that penetration that they've had at times this season. I just really thought they needed to get the pace in and, and start the game well, and get get the tackles flying, and get the crowd on side. Really start at pace, and we did ask Lee Johnson after the match why that was the case, and he basically pointed out that some you have to respect that there's an opposition, and and that they're going to be Trying to stop you doing exactly that. And, that, and that's the case here. Bas- basically, Gary Monk's side just got the better of it. And also, Lee Johnson sort of pointed out that he's made a couple of changes here, but some of the guys in the squad just aren't quite at the level at the moment where they're able to string back to back really good consistency, be- consistent performances together. Uh, these guys are going to take a little bit of time to get to that level. Yes, they can put in good performances here and there. Other times, other times, they're not going to be able to.
2: So, uh, yeah, Lee Johnson was absent from the touchline, serving his one-game ban for having four yellow cards. He watched from the director's box. Here's what he had to say about that experience.
1: Yeah, look, it's the first time I've done it. I'll be honest, uh, obviously... Given the way we performed, I, I didn't enjoy it because, you know I mean, I, I wanted to enjoy it, but, um, yeah, I did feel frustrated because I think if I'd have been down there, I'd have probably upset a few <laughs> uh, to try and spark a bit of a reaction, you know what I mean? They might have hated me for 10, 20 minutes, but they know I love them really, so... I remember my old man's a good example. When I was playing and not playing well, he used to wind me up because he used to look at me and say, "Oi, you, you little, get your effing legs going," and uh, and that always sparked me into a sprint or a shot or, or a tackle or, or whatever that may be. So obviously, when you're up there, you can't do that. But I, I, I don't think that made too. I don't think it made a difference. I can't claim that we're a better side with me on the tux line than we are with... No, with I just me there. seeing it, how it must have been. Yeah, seeing it, yeah. Because yeah. you saw it more. It's you couldn't do anything. Yeah, you see it more, but more importantly, you see every action that's yeah. wrong from every player. Mm-hmm. So the goal's a good example. We don't close in on the first goal. Like, we've got to clear it. Yeah. Like, two lakhs a day's a call, if you like. Don't close in. And, uh, and there's an inevitable ending to what was poor defending
2: yeah what do you think Gregor did uh, did the Robins miss having Lee Johnson and his influence on the touchline
3: I'm not sure that Lee Johnson being absent did have that big an effect certainly he played it down at the time and okay maybe he might have been able to lambast the referee from the sidelines and maybe got one vital decision that then helps out City maybe from a set piece or something but I think that's hugely hypothetical and we just don't know on that. I, I'm i not sure that it did play a big part. I think it was more that just several key players were not in, in form at all. It was interesting to see the likes of O'Dowder and Palmer taking off at half-time. I thought Palmer did look like... Um, he could provide something. Okay, he was quiet, he was maybe playing in the wrong areas of the pitch, he was being tackled too often but he has got that skill and I thought he was beating his man on occasion so so maybe he could have been someone to, to spark them, the Robins into life second half. O'Dowda, that's a strange one, he was, he, he was so good with that goal, wasn't he, at the weekend but don't, not sure what's happened there, Sl- strangely lacklustre Brownhill took a lot of time to get going and Lyerson I thought was a bit poor when he came on because he was overhitting his crosses wasn't he and, and he couldn't beat his man and lost possession too easily I'm split on Deju a lot of fans have said to me he was rubbish I thought he was really good he wears his heart on his sleeve so much and I thought he really tried last night he was, I'm not sure he's He's the most skillful of players at times. His his touch is maybe missing occasionally, but he tries his heart out. And that's what he did last night and fought for so many balls for Bristol City to play off. And yeah, it's one of those games where you've got so many teams who've got quality in this league that you're going to suffer the odd defeat like this. And that was huge, unfortunately, for Bristol City. And I've got a feeling we might be talking about this game at the end of the season. But as it stands, let's not forget... The Robins are still in the top six and hanging on.
2: OK, let's move on now to talk about the Norwich game. You had the whole family there, Gregor, and Bristol City let us down. 2-1 <laughs> up at half-time. What didn't click in the second half?
3: I think maybe Norwich is just a slightly cut above Bristol City at this moment in time. That's that's nothing to really worry about because Norwich City have had um, a bit more cash to spend over recent years. They're kind of... Um, got those Premier League parachute payments from a couple of years ago from when they were promoted. Yes, they've been cost-cutting and they they sold, obviously, James Madison in the summer, etc. Um, and they're, they're kind of, I think, a really good template for a lot of clubs because they were 14th last season, weren't they? Now, for me, they're going to be promoted. Absolutely, definitely going to be promoted. Mm. They blew away Bristol City for 25 minutes on Saturday, really, and Lee Johnson admitted that himself after the game. Uh, I just don't think really City could live with their intensity and athleticism Th- these guys Max Ahrens and Jamal Lewis both really impressed me they were great at fullback um, Bristol City had their chances I thought Marley Watkins was going to get something at the end there um, just just knocked over Matty Taylor's cross um, and Andres Weiman uh, had a couple of half chances I'd call them but yeah just couldn't unfortunately match Norwich so yeah what first defeat in the league for 13 games or so
2: Uh, very gung-ho aren't they Norwich you score we'll score more than you it's um, a bit of a crazy tactic really
3: It is. I I, I suppose the takeaways are that Callum O'Dowder scored for me possibly a goal of the season. Yeah,
2: he did. But what about Lee Johnson's comments after?
3: Yeah, we'll we'll come on to that in a second. Well, actually, there's a couple of things with the head coach. One is the yellow card.
2: Yeah, the yellow card, which meant he was uh, up in the director's box, despite saying he'd like to be in Section 82 for the Birmingham game. So one was the yellow card. And the second were these comments on O'Dowder.
3: Yeah, so... There's, there's a couple of theories I've kind of got about this and first of all, maybe I'm looking at it, things a bit too closely and, and maybe he's just pointing out what he generally sees are some defensive deficiency in Callum's game. But it's just the timing of it is a little bit odd for me. And also because I asked him after the game um, to, well, I invited him to talk about Kalamo Dowder basically and, and a great goal, which is one of the goals of the season mm. there. Fantastic. Went past like three or four players, Messi esque yep. almost. Fantastic finish. And instead of maybe concentrating on the goal, the positive, he um, op- opted to. Um, talk about the defensive side and that he'd let his market go essentially he always
2: put him at fault for one of the goals
3: yeah and then I asked him uh, again about sort of Odalda on Monday not specifically about the defensive side of his game or anything and Lee has decided to follow that kind of route again and I kind of think that that's maybe a deliberate ploy um, and and this is only my opinion in in that and it might be wrapped up in, in obviously a story that we were running recently that from our information, Callum's not going to extend his contract just at this moment in time. My understanding on that is that basically he's going to wait until the summer and have a big decision to make in the summer. So maybe Lee is, I don't know, is he trying to deter other clubs? Because remember, Leeds United were interested in him in January. There is Premier League interest in, in him. I know that. Uh, and there's going to be yeah big clubs looking at him in the summer. So is he trying to ward them off by saying this, or is he maybe trying to influence Kalaman saying say listen, you're not the the complete deal, you're not the finished article. Stay here, you need to develop your game. Look at other players; they've gone out, they've gone elsewhere, maybe not done so well. So yeah, there's a few all sort of competing theories I've got on this. I do think there is a bit of a, a subtext there, but we just don't know for sure.
2: Right, now we can get uh, David Cotterell on the podcast, which I'm really excited about. Gregory you managed to, to sort this out, didn't you? How did this come about?
3: Um, I actually bumped into Dave in the press room up at Stoke on New Year's Day. And obviously Bristol City had won there. And uh, Dave was working for BBC Radio Bristol. He's been doing some media stuff. And, uh, yeah, he's a great guy.
2: OK, let's hear from uh, David Cotterell now. So, David, welcome along. Thanks for coming on. Um, a Bristol City Academy product. What's your memories of... Of those
0: youth days? Um, to be fair, they're probably the best time of my football. I loved it. I really just Obviously, you're setting out to be a professional footballer. You ran with your mates, and we had a good team, good coaches, and they all had a good philosophy of bringing the youngsters through the ranks. So, yeah, I loved it.
3: Dave, as a, a Welshman, how come you you started playing over in him- In Bristol,
0: if I I can ask. So I started playing for a team um, when I was six years of age and I had to go from Cardiff just to um, a place called Barry, which is obviously Gavin and Stacey. Yeah, Yeah. Gavin and Stacey. Um, So, yeah, so I went there and we were actually playing against a team um, and their coach was actually a scout for Bristol City when Ah. I was 10 years of age. So he said, oh, go along, have a trial with Bristol City for two weeks. So that's how it came about. Where Where were
2: you living at that point?
0: I was living in Cardiff.
2: In, in Cardiff.
0: Yeah. So yeah. my dad had to trek over two yeah. or three times a week. Pay the, the toll as well. That was, a, that was not nice. <laughs> <In> Probably. <public>. It's, <laughs> na- it's the best thing ever. Now they've taken it away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other day I was actually driving over and, you know, I was I'll oh, get my card out to pay. And I was like, oh. Punching the air, is loving it, life. Like,
3: <laughs> I haven't revealed this in the pod, but I actually live in Wales as well, so I feel your pain, obviously, yeah.
2: on that. I, yeah, I, I, I used I to commute that, to Cardiff but... every day, it's and I'm, I'm the same. I was going over the other day. I was like, I feel so free. Uh, and I've still got the blooming tang in my window. It's so nice. I need to get rid of it's it. It's like
0: the best yeah. thing ever.
2: And what are you up to, now?
0: I'm involved in um, a football device. It's called Playermaker. It's new technology that tracks um, more physical data, and it tells you who you're passing the ball, all that sort of stuff. Um, sort of kind of high-end GPS um, and I'm doing a lot of mental health stuff trying to set up my own foundation, um, trying to partnership a gym in Cardiff where I'm originally from to sort all the money that I generate from my uh, mental health and foundation thing I'm going to put into the gym so people can have free classes to talk to some people um, you know, they, they don't have the luxury or they can't afford to go and use the gym. I kind of feel that that helps you mentally.
2: Um, I want to talk to you about this actually because I've been with Tyrone Mings today. Okay. And he was really open talking well, about the Well, last time I health. seen him
0: I was around a pool party with him.
2: I want that story I'm not let it get away with that. But um, he was talking about mental health and we we just went for a little drive and, and he was saying how you know, it's people have that sort of I guess that perception of a footballer, they live this amazing life, they've got all this money, but actually how isolating it can it can be at times. And I know you've opened up about it as well and you're doing amazing things. But perhaps if there's any you know young men especially because i know suicide is such a killer uh, amongst young men in this country if young men are listening to this podcast now if you could give them a little bit of advice if they're going through a really tough time at the moment what, what would that be
0: um i actually had a friend of mine call me last night i, d- I get regular messages off younger guys on a regular basis so i had what, some guy who's at academy team in in the uk as well messaged me the other day and he said one of my talks when i went to the football club kind of helped him just get on track i'm not Trying to get professional help because I'm not qualified to give that kind of help, but I just, I just took small steps to um, just try and get better really, to try and you know cut out alcohol as much as possible, cut out all this negativity, and just try and focus on the real goal. Like even now, even today, I've spoken to my psychologist or I speak to a counsellor on a regular basis just to keep on top of things. Um, so yeah, I just try and get good habits into you rather than just. It's, it's more like a kind of a. a um, Prevention, better than cure. Because the longer you leave it to get their help or to admit those things, that's when it becomes more of a problem. Do you feel that there's
3: definitely a lot more that the game can do on that on that side of things? I think
0: they are. I think they are. Um, I think Sport and Chance are doing great things. I think they've just been pumped a load of money by the Premier League as well. If I'm, I might be wrong on that, but that's what I'm hearing. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think they're trying to push things forward. And at football clubs, they are. I don't think it's just down to the football league, and it's not just down to the PFA as well. They got to come within with the football clubs because they're your kind of your, your investment. Also, if they're, you're going to invest in you know them to be in your first team, mm-hmm. why not pay for counsellors to be in your club full time because they're a valuable asset for you? So why don't get them? Why do I don't understand why you don't you know mentally prepare them?
3: Absolutely, absolutely it makes complete sense, doesn't it? And. I think the dropout rate from football, um, as well as the top end and the pressures and everything, but also must be really tough for for young footballers to yeah you know, to have this career sort of taken away from them as well. And these yeah. kind of pressures, or different kinds of pressures, I guess, basically.
0: Yeah, I think that's the the, the thing as well because you're you're preparing to be a professional footballer and then all of a sudden you're getting your dream taken away from you. Mm-hmm. I think there needs to be more, you know, like a, a backup plan for these guys because not everyone's going to make it. And I I, can't, I still find it quite bizarre that I. I did actually a mental health talk for the Birmingham under-23s and under-18s. I remember all these guys just looking at me, and they all had the arrogance to look at me thinking okay. they were all making this footballer. And I just, put, I just said to them, I said, probably about one of you in this room is actually going to make it. Absolutely. And if you don't believe me, it's actually a, yeah, it's yeah. a fact. <laughs> um, but they, and then that's when you could see their, their body language kind of yeah. changed a little bit. Um, and I think they just need to have that backup plan because before you know it, if you do not a football and that's all you know, what are you going to do in the real world?
2: And, and David, what's your foundation
0: called? It's to—it's not set up yet, but it's going to be called the David Cottrell Foundation. Um, and I'm going to be joining forces with hopefully a couple of other things as well we can work as a team. And
2: you need to tell us what happened at that
0: pool party? Anything exciting or was it just a pool party? <laughs> um, to be fair, I probably had Tyrone in a headlock, you knowing me. Mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're just enjoying He's a good guy. We're just he's yeah, enjoying, yeah. Yeah, enjoying times. Have good you sense. seen much of Bristol City and
3: Birmingham this this season? Do you rate them very highly? Do you think they can go up?
0: Can, in particular, Bristol I think City, um, Bristol City got the better chance, haven't they, of getting in the playoffs? Um, I think they've got a good group of players now. They've been together for two or three years, and it's going to come to a point where you need to start kicking on. us. not just you know you can't just be like nearly men all the time. Mm-hmm. Of like, right, we're almost making the playoffs, or we're almost doing this because I remember playing Bristol City a few years back. when We were we were at Birmingham and they were absolutely flying. I think they were top of the league at the time. And you can always just sense for Bristol City that they were always going to drop off. You, they were having a good stage, but you just think they got in their locker to lose six or seven games on the bounce. Um, but I feel like they've put that right this year. The manager's doing really well, um, got his philosophy across the players really well. And they got players now who are actually growing together as a team, and they're more familiar, they're more experienced. And it's going to come a time soon where they actually need to deliver and get into the playoffs. So hopefully they can do it this year.
2: Do you know anyone still still here? What relationships do you have with the club and, and the
0: personnel? Um, I still speak to Dean Holden, the, yeah. the first team coach. I really really like; he's a good guy. Um, and I speak to obviously Marlon Pack, Patson, and you know those sort of guys now and again. Um, tins, tins must
3: have been around
0: when when you he was actually the first he gave my my debut. Did he? Yeah, um, he gave my debut. And he's a great guy, isn't he? Yeah, well, he's a legend, isn't he, here, so...
2: Yeah. And in, in terms of sort of when you look at this club and, and how far it's come now, and I know you came back on loan a couple of seasons ago, Greg was touched on, can they go up? What do you think about the development that's going on around the club? You know, the ownership of Steve Lansdowne, Watley Johnson is, is trying to build... new
0: training ground's coming. new training ground, new yeah. training ground
2: yeah. the facilities outside the stadium. It's, it's grown so much more from your very early days, hasn't it?
0: I think it's always been a big club, though. I, I think even... When we were in League One, when I played here, we were always the biggest club in League One, and I, and it's, they're doing amazing things. And Steve Linezow has done great things for the club. The only downfall that I would say, is, I don't understand why a, a really good um, training ground has not been put in place beforehand. Um, that's the only downside. Other than that, he's done amazing work, and Lee Johnson's doing amazing work as well. The stadium looks great. It's a big club. They got a good fan base coming along, and when they have their training ground, that will obviously bring more attraction to get better players if you like to move the club forward
3: mm. just finally um, Dave how do you rate Lee Johnson as a coach he must have worked under a few different guys and obviously 24 caps I think for Wales as well um, is he up there do you think as a, as a young coach yeah.
0: yeah no he's really good he knows his stuff He he loves the game and he enjoys it which is the most important thing you know he's He's always looking to study, and I think I seen him on TV actually with John Terry the other day at one of the games. So, yeah. he's, even though he's managing week in, week out, and the stress is that he's still going out to learn and develop, which is amazing. And he does have um, a great way of playing, he wants to play the right way. And, you know, he's got that little streak in him where he can lose his temper, which is a good thing because you need to let your players know that. And he's, you know, he's a good guy as well, he's a approachable guy, and he's got all the attributes to be, you know, a great manager. Is that
2: something you'd ever want to do? Have you done any of your badges
0: or are you not interested oh, I in know no, I've already lost enough hair. I don't want to lose anymore. <laughs> I, 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 I don't, don't want see, to lose? Yeah, I don't, I don't see <laughs> you going into that. I don't... It um, doesn't appeal. No, it doesn't appeal to me at all. I've No, it's not something I want to do. I have I got offered to do my coaching badges many times and I was with a Welsh Chef the other yeah. day and they were like, come on, do your coaching badges and I just don't want to do it. Not for you. Well, you
2: why you just don't
0: fancy it? Just not for me. Yeah, I just I want to concentrate on other things other than that, really.
2: Yeah, so now you've got a lot going on. That technology could be useful to Lee Johnson, yeah. actually. He's, yeah. he's all about the martial arts. Well, weapons. we're trying to... Uh,
0: <laughs> I think they're actually um, piloting it right now. It's actually into Bristol City as well. Good luck with that. Yeah, thank you.
2: Thank <laughs> you for coming on, David. Really
0: appreciate that. Yeah, really
2: thank appreciate you. it. Thanks, mate. Good to see you. Cheers. Sure. Gregor, David Cotter was such an ambassador for mental health. You know, he did that interview with the BBC recently where he really opened up. He's opened up again there. He's starting this foundation... And it's quite incredible to think how many young footballers are struggling. Well, not just young footballers, older footballers, people retiring from the game. Footballers that perhaps aren't making it, that you touched on there. And, you know, there's this whole goal of footballers with mental health problems. And it's about having the confidence to speak, isn't it? Do you think there's enough support?
3: I, I don't. I mean, obviously, I see things very differently from Dave because I see it externally. He's been in the game. I think the work Dave's doing is, is fantastic. He makes some really great points. And just by talking out about this stuff, as he said there himself, he's in- encouraging others too. and that can only be a good thing. It's, it's well known, isn't there? There's tons of research on this that basically we've, we've seen the problems there are for young people in this day and age with suicide and the like. And, yeah, it... it without doubt it's a problem for society today so anything that can be done to help it is only going to be a bonus and that that in that light what dave's doing is is just fantastic and it's great to hear about his foundation coming up etc so good luck to him with that
2: yeah it's one of the highest killers in, in young men in the uk so the more that david can do the better and it sounds like you know even though he's saying that he's not an expert but he is giving his time
3: Um, to it so great role model I think fantastic role model for um, people as well so uh, yeah and hopefully we're going to see him uh, doing some media work and we'll bump into him uh,
2: absolutely yeah yeah he was working for Birmingham City on on Tuesday night and that's when we got to have a a little chat with him so this weekend then uh, Bristol City are playing Preston away Yep. which is always a bogey team. Yep.
3: Haven't, um, ha- yeah, haven't won there for eight years um, since they won 4-0 up at Deepdale. I believe the scorers on that day were Dave Clarkson with two, Keo, I think Andy Keo and Brett Pittman, I believe.
2: That's a memory. <laughs> so, um, but they lost to them here earlier
3: in the season, didn't they? They did.
2: Um, what's, your, what's your memories
3: of that game? From earlier this season, uh, Callum Robinson was outstanding. I actually yeah. thought... It was
2: an even game, wasn't it?
3: Uh, was s- No, Saturday afternoon Bit of
2: finish in the dark Yeah, yeah <laughs> yes.
3: I'll give you that one uh, And yeah, I thought he was outstanding that day Obviously he was coming back to his former club That was the big story that came out of it, wasn't he? He was talking about how maybe he owed Bristol City one Because he was on loan And he wasn't given his chance under Steve Cottrell In the League One days But It
2: was narrow, wasn't it? It
3: was 1-0 Yeah, he, he he got the only goal I thought he was classed that day He's been classed well, He
2: cupped his ears, didn't he, to the fans Yeah,
3: he's been classed a lot of this season I actually tipped him as one of the standout players of this campaign he's, he's maybe dropped away a little bit from that form wise yeah, he scored but,
2: a few by then he scored about 8 goals by then yeah
3: I think he's got 9 for the campaign so, so he's only scored he has, one more since then yeah 9 or 10 And but on the other hand Preston they're a team in form I think
2: they are a team in form and I think S- some people are saying can they go on the run like Millwall did last year Yeah. but also the thing with Preston is they have that game in hand over the teams above them yep
3: yeah, yep yeah. Uh, they do, and obviously Bristol City have got a game in hand over them. Well,
2: yeah, I but let's, so. I mean, yeah, let's although talk, let's talk about that game in yeah. hand because in April, eight games. Yes, that's now it's one thing playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, every other week or every three weeks. Yeah, to do it for four weeks in a row, Gregor.
3: I know. It's, the, I don't know. The championship I, is relentless. Yeah, but this in, is bad luck. Yeah, yeah, it is. This often happens in English football, doesn't it? Let's be honest, because you get the teams having cut runs, mm. competing on different fronts, and it always moves the matches. So,
2: but eight games in a month—that's a lot, <laughs> like, I... even by Championship standards. It, that's it a is.
3: Lot. Can you do much? You, you, no, can't, you, can't, you can't do much about, about it. it so... It,
2: okay, let me ask you this: Then we've talked about squad depth all season. Squad depth for going to be
3: yeah fully tested for those eight games. But I actually think this is this is probably one of Bristol City's best facets about their squad this season, that they have this strength in depth. And it might actually be more of a bonus for them than the other teams around them who might lose points over those games.
2: And I guess if you're going to go on a run and there's a possible eight times three is 24, so they could pick up 24 points in April, but it's highly unlikely having that many games in quick succession, isn't it? You know, there's going to be fatigue. You, you can't use the same players for all eight games. There's no way that Marlon Pack... Can play those game, all of those games. Is there uh, or Josh Brownhill, who are such key players to Bristol City? Will Corey Smith be back by then? Will he be up to speed? Is Liam Walsh going to be good enough to come into the fold then? You yeah, know, I, I'm not worried about the wings. Yeah, I think yeah. you know we've got there's such strength on the wings.
3: There is Joe Morrell is another one. I think he needs to be given more game time. And I've think, been impressed by him from what I've seen. So, and also, also you think
2: uh, Joe Morrell can come in the middle?
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's he's been he's looked he tidy looked every time. He great against.
2: Um, when did he got something against Wolves, didn't he? he like, I thought he was great in the first half. You he know? was.
3: Yeah, I thought he was unfortunate to be um, taken off at half. Was half time or sixty minutes, whatever yeah. it was. I've got a feeling it was half time in that go. But um, yeah, he, he deserves more game time. Also, don't forget the likes of Antoine Semenyo, who the club want to give. Game time That's the time. Yeah, exactly. So there's going to be a chance for all these guys. Nicholas Eliasson Mm. couldn't get on against Norwich. That was a a, a Mm. sort of bone of contention for some fans because obviously... Marley Watkins was given that attacking midfield role instead of Elison, who changed the game. Should we? I think we should say when he came on in the last home game here against QPR. Why was Marley Watkins given the knock? Wa- was it
2: given some minutes? He hasn't played
3: hard. Well, I, at did, all. I did. ask Lee about that in his uh, the pre-Birmingham presser, and basically he said that he was the man who was most likely to get into the pomo. You know how Lee likes his pomo.
2: What's the pomo again?
3: Position of maximum opportunity. Oh, please, opp- this
2: is maximum opportunity. Yes. See, I do remember these things. I just thought the pomo, Pomo.
3: Pomo, Pomo. Actually, pomo.
2: pomo uh, okay, fair enough. And he, he does get the odd odd goal.
3: Um, he almost snatched one as well, didn't he? Remember, okay. he got got on the end of Matty Taylor's cross. Oh, yeah, I actually yeah. thought he was going to score. Just before we move on, I just want to make a couple more points again about Preston.
2: Yes, that's what I want to come back to, actually.
3: Uh, okay. <laughs> Huge. Have you seen, obviously, Ben Pearson suspended?
2: So he won't be playing.
3: Picked up a yellow card, 10th of the season against Millwolf, kicking the ball away right at the end of last Saturday. Alex Neal was pretty livid from oh, the comments dear. I've read after the game because he's going to be missing for two games, yep. two crucial games as well. Bristol City going up there, hurrah, that's great for the Robins. Also, Blackburn Rovers away. Wow. And he is, it. make no mistake, he is a really key player for them. Uh, they might be missing a couple of other players. Moulton, somebody else, somebody said to me, but... Um, yeah, Ben Pearson is a, is a big loss for them. But
2: they'll be fresher as well because they haven't played midweek.
3: That is true. And they are on a good run. I, I, think, it's, I think I saw made it seven wins from their last nine games oh, wow. or similar. In contrast to Birmingham's two wins in their last ten, mm. which I didn't want to mention to Dave Cotswell earlier. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, so... That's going to be tough, really tough on and Saturday.
2: Leads, this is the thing. It leads the week after. Yeah, does not
3: get, doesn't it get much tougher?
2: Does it? Well, this is this is a time for uh, Bristol City to stand up a bit and be counted. Greg, well, thank you for your time. We'll speak to you after the Preston result next week. And if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us.
1: Robins on the wire.